Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is August 12th, 2022, and this is the Kraken Report for Generation Z. My name is Riel, and I'm here to guide you through the mainstream news. Thank you so much for being here with us today. <laughs> we have 25 stories to cover, and these are the big ones that I've selected from the articles that I've been scouring through over the past week. And the focus is going to be specifically on the geopolitics of the global deep state. So strap yourselves in because it's going to be a pretty intriguing report. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. And first up, what we're going to be looking at actually is we have an article here. Let me just get my stuff in order. So the first thing we're looking at for today is actually from Fox News. And the article is that Fauci is being blasted for a joke that he created COVID-19 in his kitchen. It is being referred to as tone deaf. So, okay, that's in that's intriguing that this is what uh, they are referring to. But so let's actually look at the clip for ourselves. Now, if you can watch it, that would be ideal. But if you're just listening at home, that's fine too. Now, let's see if this works. We're going to listen to the specific clip where Fauci makes this joke. Well, there you have it. Um, I'm going to be careful with what I say, but yeah. So let's continue on. Um, as you heard him say, Fauci responded to the host, Larry Corey, of uh, a discussion at the Fred Hutchison Cancer Center in Seattle, Washington, where he was receiving an award. Now, yeah, uh, I'm going to agree that that is a bit of a tone-deaf joke, but we're going to move on from there. And please listen to that article, that video over for you, that little clip over for yourself. And just ask yourself, could that have been an omission of guilt or perhaps some sort of Freudian slip. And there's there's many, many compilations of these individuals at the higher levels making these, but right. So let's get on with it. And I, that's I, I'm I'm happy that we started there because that is something that actually I think definitely deserves a lot of attention. And I would like to think that pressure is going to be on for um, making such a joke. Um, but let's continue. All right. So 
Next up, we have CDC ends recommendations for social distancing and quarantine for COVID-19 control. No longer recommends tests to stay in schools. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention says the nation should move away from restrictive measures such as quarantines and social distancing and focus on reducing severe disease from COVID-19. Well, good to see that uh, we're finally changing this. Um, we're not going to get into on this program any of the uh, guidelines and all the uh, pandemic narrative. However, in one of my upcoming episodes that I've been working on, we will be doing an audit of the pandemic narrative. And let me know in the comments below if you look forward to that, because I would like to make that public, but we might have to keep that on the Patreon side. I'm trying to cater things so that we can talk about it without being removed for disinformation or so, but yeah, we will see. And next up, and I'm I'm taking this article from my home from my hometown here, and this is a part of a theme that I've been trying to work with on the Patreon side about think globally, act locally, where we use local news stories to help us understand how the deep state global octopus has its tentacles all throughout the world. Now, this story is also in conjunction with the previous two that we just looked at, where the headline is, COVID-19 deaths, hospitalizations continue to increase in Manitoba, latest report says. This is from August 11th, 2022. So the increase in activity needs to be watched, but not dramatic, says the public chief health officer. And this is one of the things that I feel like is going to be getting a lot more attention lately, uh, a lot more attention in the coming weeks when hopefully people are going to be asking more and more questions about the vaccination campaign and the narrative that we've been told specifically from Reuters and Politico and uh, John Hopkins and the CDC about on one hand, you know, the, the only way to protect yourself is to take the jab. However, here we are, probably the fifth wave, seventh wave in Manitoba, something like that. And there are more deaths than there should be. And it's August. This isn't even flu season. But let's continue. Okay, now this is, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't done a Kraken since this has been going on. But this article is saying Donald Trump took the fifth. So what does it actually mean? Well, uh, former U.S. Donald Trump showed up Wednesday for questioning under oath in New York's civil investigation into his business practices, but he quickly made clear he wouldn't be answering. The ex-president issued a statement saying he had done nothing wrong but was invoking the Fifth Amendment's protection against self-incrimination. It's a constitutional right that gets high-profile exposure in settings from Congress to TV crime shows. Well, so why is he taking the fifth? Uh, what is going on here? Well, let's go on to the next article uh, from Al Jazeera. Garland defends Trump home search, moves to make details public. Ex-President Donald Trump, who has declined so far to reveal FBI warrants contents, says will not oppose its release. And this Okay, this is uh, updated as of seven hours ago. The United States Attorney 
General Merrick Garland has said the Department of Justice has asked a federal judge to unseal the court-approved warrant used to search former President Donald Trump's Florida resident earlier this week. Residence earlier this week. At a brief news conference on Thursday, Garland defended the FBI search at Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate on Monday, saying he had personally approved it. And for those of you that don't know, the FBI raided Donald Trump's home in Florida, his Mar-a-Lago estate. Now, what could they be doing? And I'm, I'm glad that we took this time off from doing the Kraken. Uh, we still did release the monkeypox deep dive analysis, so please go look into that. Uh, but we didn't do uh, a news roundup uh, over the past week. And I specifically wanted to wait to see what was going to develop from Donald Trump being raided. So in this situation, I can't help but uh, think about the current UFO disclosure campaign and the family of Donald Trump's role in it. And for those that do not know, uh, Donald Trump's uncle was actually one of the agents that was responsible for getting the information from Nikola Tesla's home after he died, and they essentially classified that information. Now, what was the information? Well, we don't really know. But I will suggest, and this is a lot in thanks to dark journalist work, and if you haven't looked at his stuff, definitely go check him out on YouTube. He just recently did a very deep dive into this uh, connection between the UFO disclosure and Donald Trump and that whole family. So could the raid have actually been more so about documents that he took before he left his uh, presidency because presidents can actually classify stuff and then use it potentially as leverage. Um, it's interesting. There's a lot of fine details to go into here, and this is its own very interesting topic. But this is, I think, going to be very critical and relevant to the ongoing UFO slash UAP disclosure campaign that we see. Next up, we have an article from CTV News. What does Alex Jones's U.S. 49.3 million verdict mean for the future of misinformation? Now, this was another one where I was kind of staying away from it until we find the actual verdict on it. And so for this is from August 7th. Alex Jones facing the hefty price tag for his lies about the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre, which is 49.3 million US dollars in damages and counting for claiming the nation's deadliest school shooting was a hoax, which is a punishing salvo in a fledgling war on harmful misinformation. But what does that week's verdict mean for the larger misinformation ecosystem? A social media-fueled world of election denial, COVID-19 skepticism, and other dubious claims that the InfoWars conspiracy theorist helped build. So this one uh, was interesting, and I wanted to bring up, let's see if I can find that here. So he basically is trying to use his the, the defense of free speech for what he can do in this big situation, but um, the, as this article says, the kind of speech that defames parents who have lost their children in a massacre is maybe the kind of speech you want to deter. You do want to chill that speech, Solomon said, who is a free speech expert. Um, 
However, Jones is still going to be on the air. And in other uh, articles that I've read, his InfoWars program is actually um, excelling right now, interestingly enough. But sorry, so here is what I wanted to find. Uh, so I'll read you this passage. The U.S. courts have held have long held that def defamatory statements, falsehoods damaging the reputation of a person or a business, aren't protected as free speech. But lies about other subjects, like science, history, or the government, are. For example, saying COVID-19 isn't real is not defamatory, but spreading lies about a doctor treating coronavirus patients is. The distinction is why Jones, who attacked the parents of Sandy Hook victims and claimed the 2012 shooting was staged with actors to increase gun control, is being forced to pay up while Holocaust deniers, flat earthers, and vaccine skeptics are free to post their theories without much fear of a multi-million dollar court judgment. So this story with Alex Jones, we're not going to get into uh, necessarily the claims that he made and the legitimacy of the court system and all that, but seems like this is going to be we're going in a direction of of obviously punishing people in the misinformation world and if you remember uh before we i was doing the crack in uh, the senate hearings in the united states about uaps part of that was to punish uh, amateur reporting on uaps so it's seeming like this story is tangential to that and is helping us move forward and it's we really have to monitor this uh we've got canada going through uh some pretty serious censorship bills that they're trying to pass um for example you cannot actually access rt news on telegram anymore because it's not allowed to be shared in in canada Although I do have RT News articles that we're referring to, just on the Telegram app, you cannot use it. So we've got to monitor what sort of laws might end up getting passed from this verdict here with Alex Jones. And it seems like he's definitely uh, being used as an example. Um, and I'm not getting into what he was actually saying and the credibility there, but this specific situation is pushing uh, an agenda. Next up, we have a quote from UN Chief Guterres saying, grotesque greed, as he slams oil and gas companies. The UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, urges governments to tax oil and gas companies' profits amid the energy crisis. This is from August 3rd, so this is uh, over a week ago now. But the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres slammed the grotesque greed of oil and gas companies and their financial backers and urged governments globally to tax these excessive profits to support the most vulnerable people. He says it is immoral for oil and gas companies to be making record profits from this energy crisis on the backs of the poorest people and communities at a massive cost to the climate. The two largest U.S. oil companies, ExxonMobil Corp. and Chevron Corp., plus British-based Shell and France's Total Energies, combined earned nearly $51 billion in the most recent quarter, almost double what the group brought in for the year-ago period. He also says that, I urge all governments to tax these excessive profits and use the funds to support the most vulnerable people through these difficult times. 
And I urge people everywhere to send a clear message to the fossil fuel industry and their financiers that this grotesque greed is punishing the poorest and most vulnerable people while destroying our only common home. Now, this to me is a also another clear push by what we can call the deep state, which, as we're going to see in later articles, isn't just some sort of conspiracy that I'm pulling out of my butt. It is actual terms that are being used all across the world right now. Although, obviously, if you use Wikipedia, it's going to just tell you it's a conspiracy. But we know that Wikipedia is one of the foundations of the information gatekeepers. But this push here clearly is part of the agenda for the Sustainable Goals UN 2030 with the energy crisis and, and even the oil companies that are basically going to just probably sell their stocks and buy the, uh, the renewable energy sectors and will still have corporate controllers over the quote-unquote green movement, stuff like that. Now move on. Here is uh, something out of Canada. The RCMP has been using spyware tools for years and in more cases than previously reported, the members of parliament were told. This is from August 9th. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino and senior RCMP officers are defending the National Police Force's years-long and previously undisclosed use of spyware capable of remotely accessing cell phone and computer microphones, cameras, and other data as part of dozens of major investigations. Over the course of hours of witness testimony at the House of Commons Access to Information, Privacy and Ethics Committee, a series of notable disclosures were made on Monday about the RCMP's use of on-device investigation tools, or ODITS, O-D-I-T-S. And this is probably not going to come as a surprise, as most of our viewers understand that we live in a uh, biosurveillance state, which has been greatly accelerated from the COVID pandemic and digital tracking, surveillance, all that stuff. Um, I am personally happy to see that this is being talked about in front of members of parliament. And it sounds like there are some political influences that are trying to hold this these people accountable. The RCMP is an absolute mess in Canada right now. Uh, I believe that I've got another article lined up that's going to be talking uh, about also, oh, actually, you know what, I didn't include that, but it'll be in the next report, I think, about the freedom convoy protests and how the RCMP never asked for the emergency, uh, emergency state of emergency to be declared in Canada. And that's its, all, that's its ongoing saga as well. In addition to that, we have the Canadian Parliament where they've been trying to, they've been grilling the Canadian government, uh, Justin Trudeau cabinet in the NDP coalition to release the information about the Winnipeg Virology Lab and its connections to Wuhan. However, they refuse. And that's its own saga that I can't wait to go publicly uh, in that report because that's just auditing the CBC news stories and chronicling what we've been told and what's going on because the people need to be aware that this is public open source information that we just need to be paying attention to. But one more thing from this article before we move on is that software is not Pegasus, says Mendicino. Uh, 
As the article says, appearing just before to the senior RCMP officials, Mandicino said that he's confident that the RCMP's use of software to conduct surveillance and collect data as part of its investigations has been limited by the law to only be permitted in, quote, the most serious offenses. As he also says, there are stringent requirements in the criminal code that require accountability, including what facts the RCMP will be relying on prior to judicial authorization of this sort of technique. Huh. Uh, he also uh, said he, he actually declined to offer many details about specifically what software is being used, but he did cite that it's the necessity to safeguard the ability to effectively use on-device investigative tools. The government confirmed that it is not the Pegasus uh, software, which is a controversial spyware software developed by the Israeli firm NSO Group, which raised alarm bells internationally after it was discovered to be used by governments in several countries to hack phones and spy on politicians, journalists, business people, and human rights activists. Mendicino also said that the tools were not used during the period of time in which the Emergencies Act was enacted in response to the Freedom Convoy protests and blockades earlier this year. Well, it'll be definitely, uh, it is enticing to see what develops from this and power to the members of parliament in Canada for holding these uh, string pullers accountable. Now, this is an article I've been really excited about showing, and I, I believe that I have not yet covered this. This is from August 2nd, so over uh, 10 days ago, from Russia Today. So we got to keep in mind, yes, it is RT News, but we're trying to show the, the mainstream propaganda from all different outlets here. So deep mistrust between the U.S. and Zelensky from the New York Times. The U.S. officials are more concerned about Ukraine's leadership than they acknowledge publicly, the paper's star columnist says. So even though this is from Russia Today, they are referring to a New York Times article published on uh, that week of August 2nd. And the article says that there is a deep mistrust between the administration of U.S. President Joe Biden and Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. And I find this fascinating. I wonder why there's mistrust. Could it be that the Ukrainian leader is actually a lot more authoritarian and uh, dictatorial than they were intended to believe, and that maybe there is some skepticism and questioning about the tens of billions of dollars that they are sending over to Ukraine? We'll see. Next up. This is uh we got a bit of a heavy focus on China here in the next in these next few articles. So this is from August 3rd. And we know I'm sure everybody's already heard that, heard about this but let's just cover it for the sake of covering it that China conducted live fire exercises around Taiwan as Pelosi visits. So Taiwan says the unprecedented 6 days of exercises violate the UN rules, invade its territorial space and amount to blockade. So Yes, uh, we do know that. So China did do six days of military exercises after Pelosi landed on the island. So Nancy Pelosi flew to Taipei in Taiwan, which angered Beijing. And well, did any uh, let's go on to the next article. Uh, so from the next day, as Pelosi departs, Taiwan reflects on controversial U.S. visit. The Taiwanese experts reassured of U.S. support as China gears up for military drills in waters surrounding the island. Uh, 
And of course, we did uh, cover that the U.S. military was advising against this. China was saying, "Don't go to Taiwan because that's a breach in our, you know, their their own uh, diplomatic affairs." And whether one country is right or wrong, you know, it's it's a tough thing. But this was definitely a dangerous move, and people are very uh, concerned about the repercussions and and ramifications of uh, the U.S. going to this country at this time and not really heeding the warnings. But on to the next article from uh, Al Jazeera. China's new normal for Taiwan raises fears for global trade. The Chinese state media says military exercises and crucial shipping route to become regular event. So this grabbed my attention here, the new normal. Where have we heard that before? Is that a slogan that was being used by governments all around the world during the, the pandemic? Is it similar to like build back better? Well, as I did in our, uh, as I did a series on our Patreon, we looked into the new normal phrase and where it came from. And we looked at local politicians that were using this. So I find it uh, intriguing that China is saying that it's a new normal. Because it makes us, it makes me personally wonder about what is really going on behind the scenes as we see that there's all, uh, you know, like there's the nationalist factions versus the globalist factions. And on the surface, you've got China raising the alarm, military exercises in response to Pelosi. But behind the scenes, on the surface level, sorry, uh, but behind the scenes, it, you know, they're all billionaires. They're all hanging out. They're all on board essentially with the, WEF, WHO, all that stuff, and using the same slogans. As the specific uh, phrase in this article says, sustained shipping disruptions caused by frequent Chinese military activity around Taiwan could become what experts call a new normal for the crucial trade route. It could be a coincidence. Uh, could be a coincidence that they are using that same phrase, but. I feel like there is a deeper meaning to that specific term. It could be ironic. It could be um, that they are basically inverting the original intention of that message that was used as a slogan by all of the governments that were supporting the lockdowns and, and the pandemic restrictions and telling us, well, you know, it's a new normal, as, as Trudeau said, as Jacinta Ardern said, as Emmanuel Macron said, as Heather Stephenson, the uh, premier of Manitoba said. But let's continue. August 3rd again uh, from RT News. China tells the United States to withdraw nukes from Europe. As they say, there should be no double standards in global non-proliferation, Beijing insists. The quote is, withdraw all its nuclear weapons from Europe and refrain from deploying nuclear weapons in any other region, the director general of the Chinese Foreign Ministry's Armed Control Department has said about the United States. They also continued, so-called nuclear sharing arrangements between countries increase the risks of nuclear proliferation and nuclear conflicts conflicts, Fu Kong said on Tuesday during the 10th review conference on the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons at the UN headquarters in New York. Now, I am going to agree. And as even 
this, we have already covered this, I believe, but this link that we go to, uh, the world is one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation, says the UN chief. Right. I agree. If if one country has to not have nukes, then, you know, maybe nobody should have nukes. Maybe we should just all all agree to just like lay down our weapons, perhaps. But then again, is there even such a thing as a as a nuclear threat? When we look at the UFO side of things and the potential higher conscious beings that are that have potentially been involved with Earth politics for many decades now, is there even a, a nuclear threat? Or is it all just a show to make us live in a state of fear and think that, you know, well, there is an impending apocalypse on the way instead of focusing on things that are not such a distraction? Okay, now, as I said, we're doing a lot of, we've got some articles that talk about the deep state. So here we have it from Al Jazeera. The headline reads, the deep state conspiracy theory tainting Kenya's elections. The phrase deep state has been used to suggest a behind the scenes involvement of the state in Kenya's elections. Wow. This article really caught my attention. Uh, as, as the article says, it is election season in Kenya and even be beyond the 22.1 million registered voters going up to the polls on August 9th. The biggest catchphrase of the campaign has been the deep state. Over the last couple of years, the phrase has emerged to convey the notion of a powerful, shadowy cabal, not officially elected to government, but nonetheless contorting the wishes of the people during elections and afterwards in the governance of the country. Supporters of leading presidential candidate uh, Rayla Odinga have always claimed that there is a conspiracy at the highest levels of government to deny the former prime minister who lost the 1997, the 2007, the 2013, and 2017 presidential elections the role. Now, again, the article says that in December 2019, former Vice President Kalonzo Musyoko, Mus Musyoka made possibly the earliest local mention of the phrase in an interview with local private broadcaster Citizen TV. The quote was, Kenyans must know that there is a deep state government. A country is never run by these politicians who shout the loudest. And then a year later, Musyoko, Musyoka, an influential member of the Azimio La Umoja coalition, which backs Odinga, said, Quote, I don't know if there is a deep state. What I know is there are interest groups and some of them have an enabling capacity. Well, this is very telling. And as we go to this up, this next article, we're going to go to South Korea here, where from NBC News, South Korea to pardon Samsung's Lee, other corporate giants. The pardon underscores Samsung's huge influence over a country that relies on its technology exports. This is from August 12th, 2022, by the, by the Associated Press. South Korea's president will formally pardon Samsung Air, Samsung Air Lee Jae-yong one year after he was released on parole from a prison sentence for bribing former President Park Geun 
key as part of the massive corruption scandal that toppled Park's government, the Justice Minister announced Friday. So is that simply a conspiracy theory that there are corporate interests illegally bribing politicians? Is it a conspiracy theory to say that that lobbying in the United States is a form of legal bribery where private interests will pay politicians to push legislations that are in their interests? Is it a conspiracy theory to say that the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, which are unelected officials, the World Health Organization, have been arguably dictating what the world politicians have been doing and handling during the entire pandemic over the past two and a half years? Obviously, obviously, Riel is just a conspiracy. But this is a very fascinating story, honestly. And if you haven't heard about the situation where South Korea had the millions of people protesting uh, a few years ago because they found out uh, that there was a deep state in South Korea, you should definitely look into that. Um, it's, yeah, uh, very eye-opening. Okay, uh, so one, two, three. I've got about seven articles today. I'm trying to. I know that I've done many more articles than others, but I just wanted to kind of take the time today to process more of these articles. I've been really appreciating the comments from the the audience to say that you do like more of the deep dives and the analysis instead of just like here's the article, move on to the next one. So uh, I'm trying to give a little bit more context and a little bit more opinions. Um, and I want to be doing these more consistently so that, you know, to maybe cap it at like 25 or 30 articles instead of doing 60 in one. But the next one that we're going to be doing is a lot more science based and climate. This one is very focused on, as I said, the the the, the global deep state, the 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 octopus of global control, as uh, Charlie from Macroaggression says, who we have actually interviewed on the show. And that's that interview is available on the Patreon. So. That's just another reason to subscribe to uh, Generation Z slash Patreon. Okay, so this article here, the United States VP Harris to announce $1 billion to states for floods, extreme heat. The grants will help communities across the nation prepare for and respond to growing climate-related disasters. Um, so Kamala Harris uh, has says that climate change, which is an immediate and urgent crisis, as she detailed the Biden administration efforts to respond to disasters such as the deadly flooding in Kentucky and wildfires ravaging her home state of California. More than a billion dollars in grants will be available to states to address flooding and extreme heat exacerbated by climate change. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, obviously, it is good to provide funding for people that need it. Um, an angle with this that we just need to uh, be aware of is uh, how much of it could be like when they say man-made climate change, well, are they saying in a discreet way that there is deliberate manipulation and control of the weather? Could it be that the heat waves and the floodings that we are going through are a part of a naturally occurring cycle that the earth goes through? Yes. or and could it be that they are straight up controlling the weather to create events so that they can justify these bills, uh, the spending, and push forward the uh, uh, United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals? 
Well, that's what we're here to monitor and keep up to date on what's going on in the world. Um, right, so uh, let's move on here. Now, this is important. Well, this is more of a, a, a side note, uh, these two articles coming up, but I just wanted to include them because we actually covered a couple of weeks ago about Justin Trudeau, the leader of Canada, going on vacation. Uh, he is currently on vacation right now. And I remember making the comment saying, well, let's keep in mind and see if anything goes on at the uh, place of residence where he will not be living. And it just so happened that we have two stories out of Canada that came immediately following Justin Trudeau going on vacation. The, um, the article says the amphibious tour bus crashes into fence of PM's official residence. The company is investigating, but says the driver was the only person on the bus. So an amphibious tour bus crashed this morning into the fence at 24 Sussex Drive, the prime minister's unoccupied official residence. The driver would not give his name at the scene of the crash, but said he's completely fine and even the bus took very little damage. However, if you see the picture here, wow, I didn't notice that. You see, okay, so I'm seeing this in real time. So uh, you see this eye at the on the front of the bus. We can also see it looks like there is a steering wheel, which looks like the Rotary International symbol, which I've been diving deep into on the Patreon side of things and the Dose of Reality segment. And even on the end here, it looks like, yes, those are waves, the Amphibus, but that could also be the Caduceus Coil, the heliacal uh, spiral. That is essentially the uh, biological shape of uh, negentropy, as Dan Winter says. But what are the odds that the bus crashes into there right after Trudeau leaves? Now, the next article here from August 3rd. Man charged after vehicle ramps Parliament Hill gates. Maxwell Pate, 29, is charged with mischief, dangerous operation of a vehicle. Uh, so the police charged a man after a vehicle ran the front gates of Parliament Hill early Wednesday morning. Again, this is from uh, August 3rd. And around 3.30 a.m., an, an unauthorized vehicle drove into the front gates on Wellington Street, but was prevented from entering because of security barriers. Uh, as this article says, the crash was one of two bizarre incidents in, in downtown Ottawa Wednesday morning. Later Wednesday morning, an amphibious tour bus crashed into the fence. Will these incidences result in increased security around Parliament Hill? Uh, justification for increased security around Justin Trudeau, perhaps? But okay, so we're getting to our final three articles here. And from Al Jazeera. Afghans say they know little about U.S. killing of Al-Qaeda leader. People in the Kabul neighborhood where Ayman al Zawahiri was killed in a drone attack. Say they say they are surprised, but don't know anything more than that. This is from August 2nd. And the news of the killing of Al-Qaeda chief Ayman al 
Zawahiri slowly made its way through the Afghan capital, but for many Afghans, it came as a complete surprise. The announcement by the U.S. of a precision drone attack that killed the elusive 71-year-old Al-Qaeda leader came in Kabul in the early hours of Tuesday. Well, that's a bit peculiar that nobody really knew about what was going on, although I guess he was uh, really good at hiding, I suppose. But now uh, let's go to the next article where the Taliban investigating the U.S. claim of killing the Al-Qaeda chief. The Taliban representative to the U.N. says the Afghan government and group's leadership is not aware of what is being claimed. So as I also as we also reported that the uh, I believe it was the Taliban were claiming that the uh, drone killing of the Al-Qaeda chief was a breach in the Doha agreement. And now the Al-Qaeda uh, group is leading an investigation. The, the government and the leadership wasn't aware of what is being claimed, nor any trace there, says uh, Suhail Shaheen, the designated Taliban representative to the United States, to the United Nations, my apologies, who is based in Doha, told journalists in a message. So they're even uh, skeptical that it uh, happened at all. And as this article also says, as he was an Egyptian doctor who was wanted for the September 11, 2001 attacks in the U.S. Well, right. So that is fascinating that they are even questioning the veracity of the claims that he was killed. Could it have been really just a PR move to try to, uh, you know, obviously distract us? Um, I'm just looking in my Word document here because I think that there is one more article that I wanted to bring up before we get here, and it was exactly this one here. So in that's actually what we're going to end on, but okay. So the second last article of the day, Argentina's new economic minister promises to stop printing money. Printing money fuels inflation, which is now over 60% in Argentina and expected to reach 90% by the year end. The Argentina's new ec economy minister, Sergio Massa, pledged Wednesday night to stop printing money that helps fuel runaway inflation, outlining his strategy to turn around the country's deepening crisis. He is the third minister in the month to be sworn in. As I've been reporting, the Argentinian finance minister was previously uh, involved. Okay, here we go. Uh, although light on specifics, although light on specifics, Massa committed to meeting the government's primary deficit target this year, a key pillar of its $44 billion program with the International Monetary Fund. Massa said he spoke to the IMF staff Wednesday to discuss the program's future. An IMF spokesperson said in a statement that its staff spoke to Massa about implementing the program. Right. So when we refer to the deep state, uh, which is essentially folks behind the scenes that are unelected, that are pulling the strings, well, you need not look further than the International Monetary Fund, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the CDC entities such as that. Um, so there, yeah, there you go. Um, that's a very intriguing development from the Argentinian side of things. Um, and we're going to move on to the final story here. And 
you know, to be honest, I feel a little rusty, uh, not as mentally sharp and my cadences, uh, not as on point, but it is what it is. And I think that you guys are still appreciating it. Uh, I love doing this. I'm having so much fun. Thank you so much. And uh, here is the final article of the day. U.S. President Biden begins summer vacation with family in South Carolina. Uh, so this is from August 11. Uh, the U.S. President Joe Biden arrived in South Carolina on Wednesday to begin what is expected to be at least a seven-day vacation with members of his family. Members of his family. You don't say, well, there's a specific member of his family that has been making the headlines rather infamously over the past couple of weeks, right? Well, here in this image, we see Joe Biden with his son, Hunter Biden, his grandson, Beau Biden, and First Lady Jill Biden, and daughter-in-law, Melissa Cohen. Right. Well, I find it extremely, um, how do I want to say it? Yeah, I know. It's uh, extremely interesting <laughs> that his son, Hunter Biden, has joined him for this getaway. I'm just going to throw it out there that we'll keep on the suicide watch for his son because of what we have learned from the laptop, which has the veracity has been ascertained that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. The information on there was correct. He did actually have a nickname for his own dad called Tito Pete. And we're not going to get into more of that, but just keep in mind as well as the timing of Justin Trudeau having also gone on vacation. So keep in, let, let's just monitor this situation and what is going on at the U.S. while he's away. But I'm going to stop my screen share there. And there we have it. Today, this was uh, the report, August 12th, 2022. 2022. Oh boy. Uh, I will improve my cadences and all that. But again, thank you so much for being here. This is Riel, uh, Generation Z's Crack and Report. And thank you so much for being here. Signing off. See you all very soon.